Hi, this is Liz Tinkham, and welcome to Third Act, a podcast about people embracing the third act of their lives with a new sense of purpose and direction. The third act begins when your script ends, but your show's just not finished. Today, I'm joined by Kim Alexis Newton, the entrepreneurial spirit. Kim is a successful artist, corporate executive, and entrepreneur, but she's really just getting started. In February, she launches her book, The Intentional Pause, and her business, Alexis Enterprises, which is the umbrella company for her art and media businesses. As a corporate strategist, Kim took her passion for women and wanted to develop a strategy for them to achieve their full potential. So she created The Intentional Pause as a tool to give women the permission to pause and dream about what they actually want to do, as opposed to feeling overwhelmed while being underwhelmed. Welcome so much to Third Act, Kim. Thank you, Liz, for having me. Super excited to be here. We're recording on New Year's Day, so Happy New Year, and thanks for doing this today. Hopefully, I'm not interrupting any football. (laughs) Absolutely not. This is a perfect (laughs) way to kick off this year. (laughs) Good. So I wanted to tease out something that a piece of your art is with Oprah Winfrey. Do I have that right? Yes, that is correct. It's a quilt. It's beautiful. We'll put it in our show notes. So just one of the things I'd love to do is um, to go back and talk a little bit about how you, you know, where you came from and how you got started with your sort of your first act and second act. So you went to Fisk and then to Vanderbilt. So why there and what did you want to do and what did you want to be coming out of those uh, institutions? Yeah, no, that's great to think about that as my first act. So I grew up in California and um, I, Fisk University is in Nashville, Tennessee. My dad went there. It's a historically black college and he really wanted me to have that black college experience. Um, and so I moved all the way from San Francisco to Nashville to go to undergrad and I majored in accounting. And I love the idea of internships because the one thing I learned when I interned in accounting is that I did not want to do it a day in my life. Um, I was really, really really good at it. (laughs) So I got good grades. (laughs) So I I actually graduated in accounting um, and counter to, which is a theme for me, um, counter to the advice I got, I actually went straight through to Vanderbilt, um, which is also in Nashville, to get a marketing MBA. So... Did you like that better? I did. Yes. Good. Good. Because <laughs> you ended up being pretty darn good at it. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was in Nashville for six years between the two. Yeah. How'd you end up at Hallmark? Well, I uh, have a huge art piece uh, to my life and always have. My aunt's an artist. I worked through an art gallery all through school. And I wanted to integrate art and business. Um, and so coming out of school, I, I had a couple of offers classical marketing, P&G, Arthur Anderson, which is now, you know, Accenture, and then Hallmark, because, you know, it was one of the largest creative organizations um, and business organizations at the time. And I, I really, really wanted to mix the two. So I uh, came to Hallmark and uh, they had a rotational leadership program that was very attractive to me. And I was super excited and I wanted to get in multicultural marketing and they had the mahogany brand, which at the time had about a 91% brand awareness. So I really, really wanted to, uh, to come to Hallmark. And, and you told me that you saw your career kind of in three parts. Can you describe that a little bit? Sure, sure. So I was at Hallmark for a very long time. 
great career. I was able to see the company through several lenses. And instead of going through all of my um, different jobs there, I always talk about it in three chapters. So my first chapter, I was a functional leader, all things marketing, multicultural marketing, product marketing, retail marketing. And then I transitioned to my second chapter, which I call the cross-functional leader. So I was a leader on business transformation, which we were changing about 80% of the processes in the company. And I was able to see the company end to end and really start to think about other parts of the business beyond marketing. And then I actually moved into a general manager role uh, where I ran about a billion dollar product P&L for Everyday Greetings, which was Hallmark's largest business at the time. And that kind of was the impetus for moving into my third chapter, um, which I call the enterprise leader. I was actually plucked out of that line role to run strategy because they really wanted a leader with an operational mindset to lead strategy. So I did strategy for the largest business unit and then moved into business development and digital capability development and eventually corporate strategy. Hallmark also owns Crown Media and is in 90 countries with an international business. You know, I don't think most people know that. I don't, you know, when you think about Hallmark, you think about cards in the Hallmark channel, but 90 countries. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Crown Media, whole nine yards. So most people today, like I think about my own kids who work, will not stay at the same company for as long as you did or as long as I did, as long where many of our sort of peers did that. If you were to draw a line after you left Hallmark and look back at your career, in terms of the way you thought about those three chapters, I mean, do you, would we have more younger listeners now, which is great. And would you advise them to think about it in terms of those three chapters as well, regardless of the company that they're at? I thought it was a natural progression for me and it was a way to keep me engaged. And I honestly think it was because of those chapters and the growth that I was able to do at the same company that kept me engaged. But with that being said, I'd say... Becoming a cross-functional and learning how the business works end-to-end, I recommend to anybody, (laughs) Um, especially younger folks. I thought I was a good marketer until I understood how the whole thing worked. Um, I was an okay marketer. I was a much better marketer after I understood all the different components. And yeah, if there's aspirations to be more at that enterprise leader level, not everybody has that aspiration, but then I definitely think that that is a great progression. Yeah, I think I did very similar. So you told me that after 20 years, you'd sort of outgrown the company. And I I sometimes felt that way at Accenture, but I got fortunate because I changed clients or changed roles. So how'd you resolve that? Yeah, so 20 years is a long time. Yes, (laughs) it is. It goes very fast, I think, too. (laughs) It does. And I just started to feel like I wanted to disrupt myself. It was really my own dissatisfaction. Nothing was really wrong. I just, I felt like I wasn't meeting my own potential. And also in strategy, you see a lot, right? You you get a chance to see kind of every company, I believe, has their eternal problems. And, you know, I always took jobs that required half of my brain or required it to be out of the, the building. But I wasn't it was very insular culture. And so I very, very specifically at 20 years said I'm going to explode my network. 
So I had started the women's network at Hallmark and I joined a network for executive women. I joined the executive leadership council, which is uh, for African-American corporate leaders. And then I joined the Henry Crown fellowship, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but I very, very specifically wanted to raise my head up and make more connections externally than internally. So I think that was the beginning of my What else is out there and how could I reinvent myself? Well, let's talk about this Henry Crown Fellowship. So you you got in it, you snuck in under the wire at age 44. What an honor though. And so how did you get the fellowship and, and what have you had to do as a part of it? Well, as most great things in my life usually start with an amazing conversation with my girlfriends. So yes, I would agree. All right. Really good friends. Let me say that. Um, my husband is is in that list as well. So um, we were on a spa weekend and I was kind of explaining just what I explained to you about how I was feeling. And my girlfriend goes, you need to do the Henry Crown Fellowship. And I said, okay, great. What <laughs> that is has never Henry come Crown out of any Fellowship? of my friends' <laughs> mouths. I'm going to have well, to retry I them. think she was, she was thinking about it herself. And so she like, you got to do it. You got to do it. I'm like, okay, great. I'll do it. But what is it? Um, and so I went on this investigative, you know, trying to understand what it is. And it's a two year uh, success to significance journey or intrapreneurs and entrepreneurs in business. And I was really blown away. I was really impressed by um, what it would provide, but you have to be nominated. So um, you don't nominate yourself. So I heard it was best to be nominated by other fellows. So I went about introducing myself to a couple Henry Crown fellows. And what was really interesting is that you have to be at an inflection point. That is one of the requirements. I didn't even really know that I was an inflection point, <laughs> but you have to articulate it. Um, and there's about 500 people nominated every year. 60 people are interviewed. And 20 are chosen. That's and amazing. I was, wow. you have to be 45 or younger. And I, like I said, I was 44. So I was like, might as well give it a good old try. Uh, but honestly, I, I was chosen, which was amazing. But it was the process that was really the gift for me because I had to get my storyline together. You know, so many times when you're comfortable at a company, you don't even have your resume together or how to talk about or how to market yourself. And so I just, I had to articulate the fact that I wanted to disrupt myself and I felt like I was outgrowing. So I believe that was kind of the beginning of the end of, of my time. At, at Hallmark, Hallmark, right? Yeah. But about the same time, the CEO knocked on my door. Um, he was literally the only leader I hadn't worked for. And he wanted to lead a new direction for the Hallmark brand and do it through the lens of consumer experience. So he asked me to help lead that. And that was very re-engaging for me. You know, I, I like challenges and I like new, new territory. So, you know, I was going through this fellowship and had this new job. And yeah, so it was... Um, it so was, was a it, it was a good time. inflection point for you? It really was, yeah. And you had to start a venture, which I was excited about. Because, and what was um, your venture? Well, um, the the requirements are that you're passionate about it and it makes the world a better place. As I mentioned, I'm really super passionate about kind of women meeting their full potential and companies, but uh, women in particular. And I think I was knee deep in the women's network at Hallmark and I mentor literally hundreds of women 
through the ELC um, or that are other companies, not just Hallmark. And I was seeing this trend where, you know, super ambitious, killing goals, but a lot of women just really overwhelmed and saying yes to all these things because they felt like they needed to, but really underwhelmed um, and, and not personally fulfilled. And I just thought that was so fascinating. And I was going through my own version of it, right? So I decided to research that a little bit more. So my venture is now what is called the Intentional Pause Project, which I didn't know it was going to be called that then. But I did research with... 400 ambitious women actually did two different kinds, a quantitative study and a qualitative study, because I really wanted to understand what is up with that. Like, why, why, are, why are we wired like that? And what did you find? Yeah, I found that women, and I would say like us, need three things. Permission to pause, because we a lot of times we see that as a sign of weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tools to help move forward. Can't stop. Right. And or relinquish control and time to actually like step back and look at the big picture. So I think that's actually required. And then tools to help people move forward with intention. So a lot of people read books for inspiration, which is great, but they actually wanted tools. Like, what do I need to do? Like, how do I figure this out? And then strategies to face and move beyond fear, because by far the biggest challenge was this thing that goes on in our heads around all the reasons why we can't do something or it's not the right time or I don't have this. I don't you know how women are wired. Right. We've all read that research. Right. We've got to know and have done everything before we even try. Um, And men are wired a little differently. Right. So women in my study. 91% said they're unapologetically ambitious, but 81% were overwhelmed personally and 73% professionally. Self-care is a big deal to these folks, uh, but not necessarily the mental self-care. And this was the one that 6% felt like they were on a track to follow their dreams. And so when I had to go back to the Henry Crown Fellowship and say, what my venture was, you know, I was like, you know, I want more women to follow their dreams. Talk about broad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so it was, it was, how do I make that tangible? Right. And uh, so I developed a process to, to get that going. And you're publishing that in a workbook, correct? Cause I've actually yes. seen it. I got a preview copy of it. And is that, yes. and you're going to launch that as part of your business in February. Correct. Correct. It's my passion platform for more women to follow their dreams. It's amazing. And one of the things we're going to do is follow up with you when you do that with a salon through the Athena Alliance, which will be terrific. So you can talk more through it, but we'll also have it in the notes so people can look at it. Now, one other thing that you talked about with Henry Crown is you did this thing called a walkabout. Talk about that. Yeah. So this was uh, actually a recommendation from one of my Henry Crown brothers. So I, I should finish my Hallmark story really quickly. So a couple of weeks from graduating from the Henry Crown Fellowship, a lot of things that happened that we don't have time to talk about. <laughs> but I, I was a little bummed because I hadn't left Hallmark because it was my inflection point. And I knew that I wanted to do something different. But there were lots of reasons why I had doubled down on my career. And I, I was on vacation and I get up and I watch the sunrise on vacation. It's part of my pausing. And I remember having this long conversation with God, your spiritual person. And I said, you know, I, I, I'm 
bummed because I haven't left yet. I really need a signal. Liz, I promise you, two weeks later, the CEO I was reporting to, grandson of the founder, he and his brother had been running the business for a very long time, decides to step down and a new CEO comes on and decides he wants to go a different direction. Um, And so my job's eliminated. And so I'm sitting there in the moment, you know, not like, oh my God, how could you go with me? But I'm like, oh my God, look at God, you know, (laughs) there's my answer. And I was, I was just stunned by how clear, but you know, don't pray for clarity unless you're ready for it. I've learned that many times. Um, And I was so ready for it. So um, one of my Henry Crown brothers was like, okay, you've got to do a walkabout. I'm like, great. What's a walkabout? He's like, I need you to make a list of 30 people you want to sit down with and talk to them, not about what job you can do, but just talk to them about life and how do they make big decisions and what have they learned? And when they are going through a transition what advice do they have? And, you know, break bread with them if you can and do not limit who put, who you put on your list. If you want to sit down with, he did say Oprah, Oprah, <laughs> sit down with Oprah. You know, it, you'd be shocked at who will talk to you when you don't want anything from them. And I was just so thankful he said that to me because I, I made a list um, and I started with a couple of my corporate crushes, but I talked to artists because I have that side of me. I talked to CEOs. I talked to business owners. I talked to yogurt teachers. I talked uh, to astrologists. Like I really took my time. I did not rush back into a corporate role to figure out what I wanted to do. And I spent the summer with my daughter. So it was amazing. I, you know, you asked me about advice. I think everyone should go on a walkabout and not wait until they have a big moment, but it should be a part of life. I want to ask you something because I'm thinking about this. I'm like, you're Liz Tinkham. You're listening to Kim. You're always trying to figure out what you should do next. There are people you would love to ask. I'm too afraid to do it. So how did you yeah. get, I mean, like, I have my corporate crushes. I have people I'd love to talk to. Heck, I'd like to have them on this podcast. How did you do that? How did you how did you pass the fear? This is so crazy. So I I literally listened to my my friend who said, you know, you'd be shocked at who's willing to talk to you when you don't want anything from them. So I did reach out to warm, you know, warm folks that I knew, but I'll tell you about one in particular. Um uh, Carla Harris, who is vice chairman, one of the longest standing African-Americans on Wall Street. I am in the same organization with her, but hadn't met her from Adam. I sent her an email at 5.15 in the morning, and I told her I was going on a walkabout and that you know she was on my list, and I explained it briefly. And I told her I'd be in New York, and she answered back at 5.22 and said, a walkabout. That's amazing. Come on over to my office. I'm free at 1030. It literally was that. And I, another person on my list was back to the creative side of me, Josh Silverman, who's at Etsy. I have a friend who knows him. The CEO, right? The CEO. CEO. Correct. I have a friend who knows him. I'm like, Hey, I really want to talk to Josh about this. And she sent him a text. He said, have her send me an email. And I got on his calendar and he gave me some great advice as well. So it was, I did, I literally called up people that I didn't know and then they they didn't all answer just to be honest, but um, I, I, I got some of the best advice from people that I didn't know. Give us a couple, give us a couple great pieces of advice. Cause I mean, you previewed some to me, so we have to share this with the listeners because this is good stuff. Um, Resist the familiar. 
that was for, yeah, that was for Mindy Grossman, who's the CEO of, that's my, one of my corporate crushes. Um, and she gave me great stories, but re, resist the familiar. Carla Harris said to me, Kim, I want you to, why wouldn't you invest in yourself for 18 months? I know you gave 125% to Hallmark. Why not give yourself 150 and you'll know so much more. But when you do it, just pay attention to how things happen. When obstacles show up, do they remove themselves easily or not? Pay attention because it will help you understand um, if you're on the right path or not. And, and those signals are, are terribly important. Um, Josh told me, listen to everyone, then listen to no one. <laughs> so, you know, he, he was in a transition um, and he, he said, I just, I, I literally took every call and thought about every opportunity. And then I took four months off with my family and I literally talked to no one. And those things that really stick with you will just pop into your mind collect all the feedback and then go away and just process it for without any noise. Exactly. Exactly. But the best one, can I just add that one is do the thing that you're uniquely positioned to do, which asked, which, which to me set me off and actually was the impetus behind a, a big piece of the intentional pause, which is what are you uniquely positioned to do? What is the thing that you can do that no one else can do <laughs> because of your experience, your passion, um, your skills? Yeah. So let's talk. Let's. Uh, okay. So now let's talk about your art, which is a big piece of also what you do. So you learned to quilt from your grandmother. Is that correct? I did when I was 22. And, and tell us about fine art and quilting. Yeah, so my grandmother taught me the very traditional way. We made a quilt together, 40 days and 40 nights of quilting. And I came to Hallmark right after that, and I met a quilt artist. And she taught me a little bit more of a modern approach. And she did these amazing storytelling quilts. And I was like, wow, I wanted to find my own medium. And I fell in love with this. So I started doing storytelling quilts. So my quilts typically had words and images on them. And I would lay down what I wanted to remember. So my first quilt said, um, the heart of a woman will never be found in the arms of a man. And it was a woman looking in the mirror. Um, and I I learned that uh, like my first year of marriage, <laughs> which is a whole nother podcast, right? Um, yeah, but, <laughs> we'll get Brene Brown on for that one as well. <laughs> I have my her. own stories too. <laughs> okay. um, but I, I, I always had people that were interested in buying them, but I never wanted to sell them because they weren't for sale. They were like my kids, you know, I wanted to remember them. Um, but I always had this idea that maybe I could manufacture them one day. Uh, but let's put that aside. So I was in art shows episodically throughout my career. But as you know, you know, when you're busy and have a family, yeah. So I would do it every so often. And in 2018, I was invited to be in a show and I had just gotten the fellowship and I was like, you know, I don't have time for this. And I have a good girlfriend in my life who was like, you're going to make two quilts. You have plenty of time. You've got to develop this side of you even more. And she literally like threatened me. And so I did these two quilts and I just fell in love with it again. And I'm like, why is it that I love this so much and I give so little time to it? 
And so when I left Hallmark, I decided I was going to do an art show. I want it's on my bucket list. I'm like, why wait until I retire? I'm going to do a solo show. And when I was sitting with Mindy Grossman, WW, um, amazing leader, we're at the end of our discussion. And she's like, did you say that you're doing an art show? Like, I didn't even know you were an artist. And I was like, well, I, I hadn't really embraced that title yet. And so I show her a piece and Liz, she goes, Kim, this is amazing. I have to give this to Oprah for her birthday. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 Mindy. No, no, no. I'll make you a quilt for Oprah. She's like, no, I want this one. <laughs> and um, a month later, she not only bought the quilt, but she sends me a note. It's like two sentences long. And it says, hey, crazy idea. Why don't you come with me and get a chance to meet her? And it could be fun. XOXO Mindy. <laughs> it could be fun. It yeah. could be fun. I think it's going to um, be so really fun. Two months later, I found myself on her vision tour um, that was sponsored by WW. And um, I wasn't there at the moment she got it, but I met her the next day mm -hmm. as the, the quilt lady. And uh, back to Carla Harris, pay attention to what happens. It was a very validating moment for me. Well, and the quilt, the name, I've seen it. It's gorgeous. Maybe we'll figure out a way to put a picture of it in. It's it's called The Lady? What Named it again? Well, Powerful, Beautiful, and Brave is what I, I named it. But one of the questions Oprah asked me, she said, well, what's her name? And I said, well, the artwork is Powerful, Beautiful. She goes, no, no, no. What's her name? <laughs> you know, Oprah always has questions. So I I actually named her as Mina, which means brave, and so, yeah, so it's, it's a profile of a woman and she actually has a tear coming down. It's gorgeous. It's mm -hmm. gorgeous. So how is it that you, I mean, you love, you're going to keep up with your fine art, but talk a little bit about the last piece of, of Kim Alexis Enterprises, which is our Alexis Enterprises, which is going to be the gift quilt company. Yeah. So I did learn a little something about putting words on products <laughs> and yeah. I, I have a product oh, yeah. background <laughs> through, Hallmark. Uh, through Hallmark. And, um, you know, I want to support people on their emotional journeys. I'd say that is the thing that ties my artwork together, that ties my gift quilts together and this intentional pause project as well. And I believe that a quilt is a great way to remember and so I wanted to create a line of quilts with very affirming messages. I call them your daily warming reminders. And they are there to help fight fear. Um, so there's a lot of messages around fighting fear in this first line. But they are literally quilts. They're so soft. They're amazing. They have images and words on them. And I, they're like an adult security blanket. All right, so third act is Alexis Enterprises, Fine Art, Intentional Pause, Quilting Company. Where do you see all this headed in the next couple, three years? You know, I really, on the Intentional Pause side, I hope that I can continue to share the philosophy and I, I really want more women following their dreams. I know that sounds like so corny, but um, it is... I think the world would literally be a better place <laughs> for it. And I should say people um, in general. So I hope that it's adopted and embraced. Um, and then I, you know, there is a system that's there, but I would love to evolve that and uh, learn from, you know, folks actually going through the process and making it better. 
And the quilt to me is a physical manifestation of pausing. And, and I want them to be spiritual tools for reinvention. And I'm expanding the line. I'm launching with a, a line that is focused on affirmations for women and dealing with a lot of the, the topics I have in the intentional pause. So that they dovetail nicely, but very quickly we'll fast follow with uh, sympathy quilts and quilts to support people through cancer. My best friend went through breast cancer, several friends actually. And um, it's just a really lonely time. And I think that I, I want to be there for people in that emotional journey as well. And then for celebration. So I, I'd love to expand the line um, and see where that goes. But I think at this moment, this is what I'm uniquely positioned to do. Well, you know, art quilts and gift quilts and the intentional pause. But this, this experience, I think, will uniquely position me to do something else. So I hope it's successful. Um, oh, I think it so, will be. Um yeah. You know, one thing I want to ask people is, so you were hard charging corporate executive and now you, you know, you got the signal <laughs> clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've completely changed. I mean, how's your, how's your sense of identity changed? Uh, it, it has been hard, uh, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, I break out in hives every three or four weeks because I'm like, oh gosh, I'm not making the money I was making. And it's it's just so different to be an entrepreneur versus being at the top of a company and, you know, so it's such a different, a different self-motivating moment, I think. For what do you um, say when you introduce yourself now? Cause I used to say, hello, I'm Liz Tinkham, senior managing director, Accenture, la di da di da Now I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, know what to say. I, I think I say Piper's mom a lot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Your teenage daughter. I, I do say, yes, exactly. My daughter. Um, but now I do say, you know, Hey, I'm Kim and I'm an artist. I know I'm not done yet. You're definitely not done yet. You've mentioned, I mean, you've got such a big enterprise about to launch. Anything else that you think of that's still in your future? You know, I really want to sit on boards. I I have, there are a couple of connection points back to helping companies meet their full potential And so I have been pursuing some board work and I'm advising some startups, which is amazing. They are at a point of scale. And so I can bring my skills, but I can also relate to them as entrepreneurs. So I I actually really love, I've sat on boards for years, uh, nonprofit boards, but I really want to keep up my connection to the corporate world because I, I do appreciate that grind. Um, and it's, it's part of my surname. So I want to keep that connection going. So I am interviewing for boards. So I do see that as a huge part of my future. Oh, great. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us on third act. Where can our listeners find you on online? So I'm at Kim And that's, uh, where my, everything will be all right there. All right. Well, we look forward to looking at it and seeing your quilts and can't wait to hear your salon as well. Thanks so much, Kim. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for joining me today to listen to the Third Act Podcast. You can find show notes, guest bios, and more at thirdactpodcast.com. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and write a review on your favorite podcast platform. I'm your host, Liz Tinkham. I'll be back next week with another guest who's found new meaning and fulfillment in the third act of their life.